You're listening to The Real Short Box, a comic book podcast made for geeks by geeks. Hello out there in podcast land. Welcome to the most righteous, the most wonderful, the most famous, the most podcast with the greatest potential. See, you couldn't even get through that without <laughs> most, most famous my ass. And what is podcast land? I I picture like the amusement rides kind of being awful, to be honest. <laughs> There's no such thing as podcast They're land. all sound related, you know? Yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm Darren. My name is Supreme Chancellor Kevin. I'm Captain Don. Captain Don. That, yeah, I don't know. That, that, that doesn't sound. Captain right. Ron had a jingle to it, and I was thinking about that movie lately, so I thought I would uh, just go with uh, Captain Don. You know, the son in Captain Ron is played by Benjamin Salisbury. Do you know? Ah, uh, Salisbury steak. Do you know where Benjamin Salisbury is working as we speak? Where? No, he is a Porn. manager. In Universal Studios Hollywood. You don't say. Or the upper lot. You don't say. He's a very nice man, actually. Huh, interesting. You don't say. But he was also, as you remember, Brighton on The Nanny, one of Kevin Green's favorite shows. Oh, I, I, absolutely. You know, it's what's really kind of humorous is I was working on a show last week um, with Jay Leno, and I had mentioned to Jay that as I was, you know, heading to bed, <laughs> uh, my lovely lady and I were, were watching a rerun of The Nanny, and... I was like, Jay, you, you were great on there. And he said, oh, okay. What, what did I, who did I play? He said, <laughs> he said you played you. And he's like, ah, for some reason, I, I, I don't remember that one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, I understand that. Like, I can't even remember what I had for dinner last night. So I imagine if you've acted a bunch and you've been in a bunch of stuff, you might not remember everything. He was, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, shoot. Uh, he played an Ingram Toyo. Give my father. Mandy Patankin. Yeah. Mandy Patankin, I, I met him at um, at the uh, they had a the group like a like a meetup thing for uh, that Showtime show that he's on. Homeland. Thank you, Homeland. Yeah, he's on Homeland. And yeah, yeah, and it was like a there was a a party up on the roof of this event, <laughs> and I went up there and I walked up to him and I was like, hey, I was like Mandy, I was like, I just wanted to say, you know. I didn't say, I loved you in Homeland, you know, or I loved you in The Princess Bride. Right. I didn't do any of that shit. Yeah. I just walked up to him and I said, man, I said, Night of the Juggler. <laughs> I, said, I said, I just watched that for the first time. And, and, to, and to credit, I did have just seen it like uh, a month before. I watched it at the New Beverly Cinema, which is Quentin Tarantino's uh, theater that he owns out oh. here in Los Angeles. So I said, I just watched it at the New Bev. And I was like... My God, man. I said, you were great, which he was. He had a very small role. He played a taxi cab driver. Mm. And you could just see in his brain it, like, trying to register. Like, And he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he just stopped everything. He was like, oh, my God. He's like, I haven't thought of that in years. And he said, that was, I think that was my first film <laughs> ever. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'm pretty, it was either this one or the other one. And he's like, no, I think it was Night of the Juggler was my first one. He's like, wow. He's like. Wow, thank you. That was like, I hadn't thought of that in so long. You know, because that was in the, what, in the 70s, in like the 60s or 70s. I think it was in the 70s. And he had not thought of that film because it had been, you know, what, 40 years or something, you know? So I, I get that, you know, I, I get not being able to remember something. Well, to be fair, I mean, who's been on television more than Jay Leno? I mean, my gosh, this guy, he's on TV all the time. I get mm -hmm. it. 
And yeah, it's it's funny you bring up old, old Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, it's that's wow. Anyway, let's get down to what we're talking about today. We're going to rank the best and worst uh, X-Men films. Uh, but before we get started, Kevin, I, I have to ask you, because I know you're going to have a clear answer to this. Who is your favorite X-Men? Like the favorite X-Men character? Personally favorite. You know, it doesn't have to oh. be like, we're oh. going to grade them on Hero this Hero or villain? I, I, I'm going to say either or. Okay. It's got to be Apocalypse. Hands down, right? You know, him and Mr. Sinister, yeah, they are two personal favorites of mine. Yeah. I forgot about Mr. Sinister. You do equally like him, but I, I think Apocalypse... Apocalypse a little bit more. Apocalypse yeah, a little, little bit more. Bit Simply because that guy dressed up as Apocalypse had to tell you to stop following him around. I know. I was talking him. I was talking him. I remember that. I was talking Donald, him. who's your favorite X-Men? Uh, Beast. That's a good choice. Yeah. Hank McCoy. And uh, the fact that Kelsey Grammer played him was even sweeter. I thought Banshee was your favorite. Hell no. That's, uh, that's not quite racist, but <laughs> kind of... A little bit. I thought you enjoyed... Because I'm, yeah, I'm a, part Irish. I, 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 well, I why thought, would I have to like a guy that screams and he's Irish? Well, I, I thought you enjoyed that. Man, I didn't even have the first appearance of Banshee. I thought you did. I had the first appearance of Beast. Not like X-Men number one, but the cool Beast. The, 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 great the, fur. the, the hairy Beast. Yeah. I see. And I will have to go with Magneto, quite possibly the most ah. complex character in Marvel Comics. Yeah, he's up there. Quite possibly the most complex character in comic books in yes, general. Of course. Yeah. Of absolutely. course. It's like I, I like to make that distinction between DC and Marvel because like comparing them you can do it, obviously. I just prefer not to. No, you're smart not to do that. Okay. Right. Um Apples and Oranges. So we're gonna actually we're gonna do like a legit countdown here. Yes. And of course, uh on our countdown list will not be the new mutants, Kevin. No, because, unfortunately, no one's seen it yet, and possibly no one ever will well, see it. It'll come out. Disney Plus, they'll get desperate, and they'll throw it out on there. So, Kevin, Donald, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. I'll give you a chance to flex those massive biceps of yours. How many copies do you guys have of The New Mutants Part 1? Like the original series, you mean? Oh, no, the book. The or book. The, graphic, uh, the graphic novel. The book with their first appearance. Yeah, the book with their first appearance. That'd be uh, Marvel... Yeah, what number was it? Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvel graphic novel number four. That's right. There we go. I had it and sold it immediately. Really? I, <laughs> I bought it at a comic shop because they had like a 30% off. And so I went on my lunch break. I drove to go get it and I bought it. And then I immediately put it up on eBay <laughs> wow. to sell it for uh, 60 or $70 more. I Your think. profits here. I know, but you know what? I knew that that movie was going to like suck a fuck. To be honest, like I ju just had well, a feeling. Well, never got released. No shit. Well, what do you think that states? Well, look, that it's of good quality. Well, you have to understand. Well, you're caught between the internal politics of a studio being oh, sold. Oh, piss posh. And... Uh, and I meant that on purpose. Piss posh. <laughs> uh, basically, you are you're, you're the... crapping on these on, on these people, the producers, look, the if writers, I'm a profiteer, and, and the actors. Then I'm smart because that movie never got released, and I sold it when it was hot. Arya Stark's in that movie. I sold it when it was hot. Arya Stark's in that movie. Yeah. Speaking so, of, of hot like comics with new mutants, I'm curious. Correct me if I'm wrong. I am not the person who goes down and memorizes all the first appearances. But didn't Cable debut in a New Mutants? Correct. Yes. Number eighty-seven. Yeah, and uh, eighty. What was it? Ninety? Was it uh, Deadpool or was it eighty-nine? Uh, eighty-eight. No, Which issue was it? Ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. That's right. 
And and I'm sure you guys have a hand. I know you have more than one copy of Cable's first appearance. Mm, Actually, I do. Actually, I I do. I have one. Actually, I do. You have one. Well, if not, if you're counting second prints, you can't count second prints. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. I first second print. That doesn't count. Yes, it does. No, that doesn't. That doesn't mean you have multiple copies of the same issue. You don't. You have one first. Print and one second. second But he is asking if I have more than one. You need to specify. I'll be specific. There needs to be an asterisk next to your bullshit lies, Kevin. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You got problems, man. Oh, I got problems. Starts with a K, ends with an N. First of all, I have all, let me just say this right now, I have all 100 of the original issues of New Mutants. Oh, people out there are fapping to this. (laughs) As they they should. As they should. I I mean, look, I'm a little impressed. Look, anybody who has a complete collection of anything, you have got to give them their props. Thank you. Give them their props. Sure. Something popular like that that they put out a ton of issues of. Yeah, sure. Give them some props for that. Yeah, why not? I mean, I own a Spawn number one. Speaking of popular issues. (laughs) That's wonderful. If you had issues, if you had like, I had the first 23 Spawn issues. Good for you. So did every child in the 90s. I have 1.7 million copies were printed. Of but let Spawn me ask you something. Do you have the Home Shopping Network special edition box that Spawn number one came in? Do you have the Malibu Sun issue that it actually technically made its first appearance? Oh, did it technically make its first appearance in there? Or Rust, where there was an advertisement for it? Huh? Or, 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 Boom. or, can you technically name the last decade Spawn was even relevant? Uh, well, according yes. to McFarlane, it's yes. right now that's because right. Uh, the movie that's coming out. That's but, right. Allegedly. And I, yeah. look, I, look, I, I know it's going to come out. some respect for Mr. McFarlane. He's working hard. Is, yeah, I'm sure he's working hard. He is yeah, working hard. I, I have respect for the man's art. Look, the Canadians work I, hard. I, Canadians work hard. Really? We're going to go there. Okay. I don't want to talk about Justin Trudeau right now. You're pushing me, though. James Cameron, Jim Carrey. You're pushing John me. John Candy. Candy. Rick uh, Moranis. Rick oh, Moranis. What are we going to go with next? Michael Moore, you know, Getty Lee. I mean, come on. Brian Adams. What? Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Bret Hart. Bret the Hitman Hart. He's the hitman. Oh, shit. He just hit you where it hurt, Darren, <laughs> because that's your number one. That's your boy. That is my boy, and yeah. I have my reasons. He's the love of your life. I gave a very good case. You did? You did not give a good case for Stenghouse. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I disagree. I gave a really good case for... Who was it? Macho Man, was it? No, no it was it either Hogan or Rowdy Roddy Piper. No, oh, it was Piper. Piper. It was Piper. It was Piper. Piper yes, was please. the best Piper, case. Canada. Also from Canada. By the way, by the way if you want his left boot... Uh, from one of his matches, it's available on eBay for over ten thousand dollars. I'm just throwing that out there in case anybody wants to get me something for uh, you know Christmas in the future or your birthday. Next Any year. Christmas, and I'm not Any even, birthday. I mean, of course, I don't need to point out that Rowdy Roddy Piper, one of his last matches, he lost the belt to Bret Hart. Uh, but anyway, a so fe- a fellow Canadian. Before we really mm. get into this top twelve countdown, I think this is a great opportunity to talk about our favorite comic retailer. Yes, the place that you go to get the Where Godfather discount. knows your name. You got that. Right. Do, do, do. Okay. Oh, sorry to interrupt everyone. Just wanted to mention real quick about a shop in Canoga Park, California called Spiro's Heroes. Elliot, the proprietor of the store, has over 300,000 books in what's called the Temple of Comics. That's Spiro Heroes in Canoga Park. Spiro'sHeroes.com. Wow, what an advertisement. I mean, it was just an advertisement for. It was the best thing. I'm speechless. I like, wow, this was incredible. Over th- that many comic books? Yes, that is an advertisement for the ages. Do you imagine just like going in there and uh, 
jumping in like Scrooge McDuck does oh, yes. with his coins. Do <laughs> oh, yes. you think Elliot does that with I his comic so. books? I his, think he does. There's over three, four hundred thousand books. Do you think he piles them when, up and dives in? When he opens up by himself, swims in them. He swims in them, absolutely. And, and look, you know, I watched a Scott Bale classic high school film, Zapped. Oh, shit. Came out in 1982. Everybody's clothes fell off. And look, it did not age well. But that Spiro's ad continues to age well. <laughs> like a fine wine, baby. That ad is eternal. All right, let's get to this list, yeah? Yes. Should we start with number 12 or number 1? Let's start with number 12. Yeah, we got to count down. we got to count okay. down, brother. Come on Yeah, now. and everybody knows what this one is. Come on. I think about 90, no 90% of you in the audience will probably agree with this. If, if you're with all due respect, of course. Butchering the... One of the, the quintessential the mouth. characters, the yes, with the mouth, doing what they did with Ryan Reynolds, and in I don't know if somebody was pissed at him or what, because Ryan Reynolds, Tom Rothman, known the executive Tom to have Rothman. a silver tongue on the screen and be a wise ass, so, gets muted like that is just uh, insane, uh, and then puts like spike things yeah, coming out of his hands yeah. and shit. What the fuck was that? Laser beams uh, out of his eyes? Unfortunately, from what I hear, from what they say to Tom Rothman, the, the Fox executive at the time. Uh, is any of us friends with this guy? No. Good. No, but okay. we know people who know people who know people, so we're trying to be as nice, or what we call nice. Yes. But, out of respect, you know, there's one thing I did like about the movie, you know, the the Gambit I thought was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that was played by What's-His-Face, uh, uh, Friday Night Lights guy. Oh, um, Taylor, Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. Taylor Kitsch. Mm -hmm. Who's underrated. He, you know, he is. He absolutely is. I actually really liked him in Battleship. I thought it was great. Oh, he was fantastic. And of course, Lone Survivor, he had a nice part there, too. Yes, that's true. He was good in that. Now, I will tell you, if there's one thing that I really do like, and look, all these movies, even if we're hard on them, we still like something. I love the opening credit sequence of Wolverine. That yeah. was great. As you were watching, he and Sabretooth throughout, like, history, you know, in that's the opening right. credits going. That was really awesome. Yeah, that was cool. I also like the blob in it. And that's played by the guy that was in uh, Mystery Alaska and uh, the Strain, Strain uh, the uh, Dark Horse series. Mister, who was he in Mystery Alaska? Mystery Alaska, he was uh, one of the uh, hockey players. I'm not sure if he was the goalie or not. I don't think he was, but big dude, big imposing. Oh, the big dude. guy. Yeah, that, yeah, that would yeah. be the goalie. That's a great movie. You know, greatest review ever, The Rocky of Hockey. Yeah. The Rocky of yeah. Hockey. Yeah. All of you out there in, in podcast land, if you haven't watched Mystery Alaska... It's actually a really good time to do so. It's, you know, heading towards winter time. You're going to have some snow on the ground if you're in the Midwest or in the North. Uh, yeah, pop that in. It's a winner. It's no, so good. No, my lovely lady got it for me last Christmas on DVD. And a surprise appearance from Mike Myers. Yeah, yeah. Just a joy. As an Austin Powers, Mike Myers? And, yeah. And is there really a performance from Hank Azaria we don't like? It's true. It's true. He's, he's great. And the man can knock it out of the park. So, number 11, uh, this probably doesn't come as much of a surprise. Uh, for some it might. We have decided on X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Oh, my God. That's a surprise to me. Directed by Brett Ratner. Okay, I argued for this one to be in that position. Reasoning why is because I, I, I think we all know. Um, after the, the high note that was X-Men 2, it just fell so flat. It wasn't even as good as the first X-Men, which was kind of a, a trial ground, you know, zero for comic book films in a way. Um, they were picking up where Blade left off and, mm -hmm. and seeing if there was a viable product there. And there was. Mm -hmm. um, and they got, you know, got very lucky and very fortunate. And uh, there's some talent there. Don't get me wrong. But I will say the, the moving of the Golden Gate Bridge by Magneto was really awesome. Of yeah, course. Near the end there. Of course. Uh, the best two things I felt about that whole film 
were uh, Ben Foster being cast as Angel, mm-hmm. uh, whether they did anything with that character or not, which they really didn't do much, and Kelsey Grammer as the Beast. Dr. McCoy. Was the most, as you, uh, you all know now, the Beast is my favorite character. And to have someone that's so eloquent in the way they sound and, and, and the way they enunciate play that character. You look the part. Just what... I I sat there with the biggest boner you've ever seen in your entire life. People could not sit near me. My boner was so big. In fact, they complained to management because it was radiating heat and light, and people were having trouble seeing the screen. (laughs) Also, another highlight I'll I'll give the movie was the very beginning where you saw the the aged versions of Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart when they went to meet a young Jean Grey. Oh, you think it's a highlight? I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was terribly done. I thought, I thought it looked really fake. Really? Then. I like it. And I'm it. sure if you look at it now, it probably looks like fucking stick figures. I, I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't go that far. So here's the thing. Highlights, of course, Rebecca Romaine well, was, as was, always, was naked. As always. Because she got, you know, unmutant. See, there's, there's something about her sure. eyes. What they always liked about her version of Mystique, there's something about her eyes. Yeah. Those eyes. It's just like she sells sexual. They're, they're, they're sexy, but also yeah. sinister. But she's, yeah. You know, sexual danger. She, yeah, she's yeah. very feminine because she's like not only statuesque, but she's got like hips and everything. Like yeah. she's very feminine. Now, this is just a personal preference of mine. I wasn't crazy about the anti mutant serum. Mm. That just wasn't. It was a little bit of a stretch for me personally, because I'm I'm not just viewing this as, did you stay loyal to the comic book? I'm viewing this as a movie as well. And as a movie, I didn't mind it because it was it was simplistic, which I think is, is a good criticism of it. But it just kind of flies right by, and there's just not much substance there for you to remember. And, of course, at the time that it had come out, if you're going to say that there's an X-Men named Arclight, oh, poop on that. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want Arclight. I don't want any reference to Arclight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, I, I, knew, yeah. I knew you would go there. We, we may or may have not all worked there at one point in time, <laughs> which is possibly where we may or may not it, have all met, it, which it, is good. I'll give them credit for that. It, it was it, good, and the fact that their candy bars were quite tasty. There's uh, Ghirardelli ones. The caramel corn. Caramel corn is delightful. I made some of the best caramel corn. I used to put dark chocolate Ghirardelli bars in my caramel corn. You know, someone else did something even more devious with their caramel corn. They spit it? No, no, no. Semen. No, no, no. Something else they did. That'd be bad. Titty milk. No, we don't want to get sued. But but here's the thing, too. We got got to also consider, too, like, Emo Rogue. I wasn't crazy about Emo Rogue. Actually, to be honest with you, the Rogue. Anna Paquin? Well, no. In the, the way that the character was... The arc of the character right. part. It's not Anna Paquin. I, I have no problem with her. She's a, actually an outstanding actress. Yes, yeah, she is. But, um, and also, too, like, I like how they kind of elevated Pyro, because I never viewed Pyro as, like, a major X-Men, but I love how they elevated him, because I love that power. Yeah, yeah, they made him kind of the, the opposite of uh, Bobby Iceman, so that, that worked. And it gave Bobby something to do, because he really didn't have anything to do before that, to be honest. And Bobby's pretty powerful when but, he's used correctly. Uh, yeah, he's like uh, a top level. Omega uh, level. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about that before but, with uh, Jared. But I, right. I'm going to make a case, and we can move on, but I'm going to make a case that I would have bumped this up our list at least one or two spots. Because I don't dislike it quite as much as you guys do. I I don't dislike it either, yeah, to a point. But go it's not something I've ever wanted to go back and revisit. And that's why it's so far away from the top of the list, for me, anyway. Oi, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, 
number... I mean, I mean, there is that. That was good fan service yeah. for a YouTube video, and a lot of people got a chuckle out of that. So I'll give them that, too. I really will. What's the next one? Number 10, The Wolverine. Okay, so Kevin remembers this one really well. Yes. And we were talking about it. Darren didn't even remember seeing it. Nope. And I remembered it as being the most forgettable of the films. In fact, I would have put it... Uh, I would put X-Men 3 uh, above this because I, f I just felt that the Wolverine was so boring and I did so not care. So you didn't care. like the Yakuza plot? The Silver Samurai bullshit where he pulled and got into a Zoid and like tried to attack him was stupid. Just so ignorant and so disrespectful so, to the source. Okay. Material of the character. So you tell the James it, it just made me. I vomited you would talk, in the theater. You would tell the James no one could sit near me. Again, no one could sit near me. People <laughs> couldn't see the screen because I was projectile vomiting into the air. So Got myself a completely a mess. So you would tell the director, James Mangold, a very honorable man, a man who did that Johnny Cash movie to his face. I would say Mangold created uh, Main uh, Cole, to not, be honest. Not to. You know, not to be that guy, but to at the same time totally be that guy. I've been an actor in a James Mangold movie. Oh, have you now? Yes. Which one? Night and Day with Tom Cruise and oh, Cameron nice. Diaz. Which but, is fun. Nice. Yeah, you just bought that on Blu-ray not too long yeah. ago. Yeah. Oh. So, what, I don't, I, I'm telling you, James Mangold is this extraordinarily talented guy. Yes, he but is. But I'm telling you, the source material's wrong here, and I'll tell you why it's wrong, because in small spats, especially take X-Men 3, for example, I love that moment where where Xavier gets blown up by the Phoenix and Magneto's like, Charles! Like, you can actually see he doesn't want him to die. And I think X-Men drama is really effective in those small little spats. That's right. If you're going to draw this out for an entire film, which to me is what the Wolverine did, I'm just not down with that. That's yeah. just me personally as a viewer of the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just don't like the extenuated, ex extenuating drama. You didn't like... Well, here's one part you guys had to the least enjoy. It was the very end. The last scene? Was Kelly who in I don't film? remember it. Just remember the last scene is basically a, cam basically a cameo for, for, for things to come. When you saw Xavier and Magneto at the airport. When Wolverine was coming back to the States. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they tell him, hey, we need your help, you know. And then, of course, that led to... The days first of Days of Future Past. Was it Days of Future Past? Yeah. But, but Kevin, Wait. I, I had to yes. Oh, because that came after. I, yeah. How much garbage did I have to get through to get there? Though? Right. That was an exciting point. I do remember that now. See? But that was the only thing I liked. And it's <clears throat> you weird like, that I forgot about it already. You, this is just an odd like, movie you that like, should have happened. You didn't like the plot twist with, with the old man? No, it was stupid. It was predictable he and saved dumb. saved his life in World War II. Oh, forget it. I'm done. I'm What's done number nine? I'm sorry, let's just Move go. Mr. Now. Mangold, I appreciate your film. He appreciates you. Sure uh, yeah, you. absolutely I do. Blah, blah, yeah, the guy shot a pretty movie, so what? Let's do it. Next one. Number Next nine, one. disrespectful bastards, X-Men Apocalypse. All right, now, now this one, one where this we're... This one, we, we, all three of us can go to work on. We're talking about miscasting like a motherfucker. Especially the main villain. The main villain being such a small and stature character. And doesn't have this. the voice. No. Just lacks the voice, lacks the charisma. They should have gotten the guy that did the voice for the cartoon. <laughs> yes. And had him, like, lip sync over whoever the hell they had doing. And it. then you get some big wrestler to at least be in the freaking suit. Right. Okay. Yep. And I don't recall the setup bothering Kevin me that Nash. much. 
Yeah, Kevin Nash would be great. Yep. I don't recall the setup bothering me that much because I heard a lot of people trash this movie. But a, an hour in, I was like, okay, like I, yeah. I, my my attention's being held. But the last hour and a half, you heard me. Last hour and a half. This is an extremely long film, people. Yeah, yes. it was a little bloated. Apocalypse. Oscar Isaac. So I'm offended by how inert it was. It was just boring and yeah. and the way they the way they decided to frame apocalypse you kind of made him it's like a cult leader essentially you know yeah. like, for all intents and purposes you know you're not really seeing the true power and, and i understand why they went that route probably because budget limitations right um but uh yeah i, I think the opening was great yeah opening uh cool. with them in the future yes. and them you know having to go back and like try to try to fix things or whatnot you know i think that's what happened right it was a, uh they were in the future or no is that the other one I think that was the other movie sorry. god damn it so this movie's even worse than i thought Man, it it, it, it is it's it's I I'd hate to say trash, but there was I mean, there's the, just the, nothing the, redeeming. There was a it. silly Wolverine cameo in this movie too. Was this New Storm's first appearance? Yes. Okay. Poor lady. She had like I the, remember the, that. The, she had like yeah. the mm-hmm. the 80s cut. Yeah, and she was like doing lightning bolts at him, and like uh, Evan Peters, who does uh, Peter Maximoff, Quicksilver, mm-hmm. he uh, he was running up the bolts or some shit to try to come after him. And that was a cool scene. I remember that. Wait, hold on. Storm, Storm. That you mean the that? Mistress of the Elements? Yes. yes. Storm, Mistress yes. of the Elements. Absolutely. What's She's next? the best. What's the next on our list there, Kevin? Unless you want to continue going. No, nope, I'm good. All right, great. Moving on. Number eight, X-Men Dark Phoenix. Okay. So, about this film. I know a lot of you are going to argue with me, and you're going to say it should have been higher up on the on the crap. It should have been, you know, like near 12. Mm-hmm. My argument is for everything that went wrong in this film, it somehow maintained its entertainment factor for me. Now, maybe I'm biased because I went in a month after, watched it at a second-run theater, paid $4 to see it, sat in there expecting complete trash, and was actually pleasantly surprised. They had to do so much surgery with this film, specifically because they had designed Skrulls to be the main villain in the story. And when they found out that Captain Marvel was doing the same goddamn thing, putting mm-hmm. Skrulls in there, they immediately went, oh, fuck. And they said, we got to, like, change this. So they changed it out to some other villainous characters in the Marvel universe. I can't even remember what they called them, to be honest. But they weren't Skrulls. would have been a much cooler film had they kept it, but I can see why they had to change it. And by changing that, they had to change the whole ending to the film, which Ooh. was massive. And what they did was they created this train sequence instead. And I will tell you, it is still solid entertainment. It still had me. I was tight in my seat, gripping, like watching this train sequence, where basically Magneto pulls us like a train, a subway train, out of the freaking ground mm-hmm. and has it come in and crash into a building. In order to open the building, because he's after Jean Grey. He wants to kill her, because he knows if he doesn't stop her, the Dark Phoenix will take over and could possibly destroy the universe. So he's on a mission to do this. So it was kind of really cool to have these characters fight against each other and for each other that you normally didn't get to see. And and I liked the story. I thought it moved fast. It was fast-paced for what it was. And I thought the characters were, were still as well done as they could ever have been. The only problem I still hold with this is Jennifer Lawrence, of course, yeah. plays uh, Mystique. Yes. Now, 
there's a there's an event that takes place in this film which some people may or may not like and uh, I, I won't bring it up because I know some people haven't seen it still it's relatively new um, but I enjoyed this scene probably the most because it helped elevate the film and it helped create a dynamic again that it brought it back to its its base and what it should be. Jennifer Lawrence uh, in these films is becoming quickly too much of a hero. So we all know that this was like her last film. So it was nice that she was able to take a step back and what happened would be able to elevate some of the other characters. So for me, it, it worked out well. Did you like and, Jessica Chastain? And I enjoyed it. Uh, Jessica Chastain was whatever. It could, it could have been played by anybody, okay. to be honest. She was inconsequential. Uh, I just enjoyed the film for what it was. And and I and I liked it, and I thought it was a much better film than the first time they tried to so do. So you the thought Dark it was a nice Phoenix. exit for a nice exit for Fassbender and McAvoy. Would I have preferred something better? Yes, absolutely. Was I okay with what happened? Yeah, I, I, I I'm just gonna have to be. It, they both played their part. And it, they did it well, and it's pretty concise. But well, one more point to bring up, um, especially those of you when we talk about book prospecting. Uh, we all we have brought up multiple times. I know I have the Dark Phoenix story. At this point, because it's been done to death, it's a long-term prospecting option. But the Dark Phoenix is one of the best stories in X Men. So that's true. I would jump on it. The book's not super expensive. Jump on it. You're <laughs> it. I mean, I've I've seen that I've seen that thing anywhere from sixty to ninety bucks. In yeah. good shape. Yep. So, yeah. I, I mean, it's for long-term prospecting. Yeah, I would definitely true. look probably into to, it. Probably another 10 years before we see the episode. Not a bad idea. It. Next one. Number seven, Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2. I despise the Deadpool movies. Darren, wow. yeah, Darren wow. really pushed to get this uh, lower I mean, on our list, higher, I guess, number-wise. That's the way you see nihilism. I, the, well, thanks for tagging my lines. Yeah, it's too nihilistic for me. I just, <laughs> there, everything that's done is just, I, I, it's just... There's too much evil in the movie for me. Much dubstep. A... Yeah. Loved it. Loved the dubstep. Yeah. Now, that was great. Now, that being said, for, Cable, those of you, awesome. for those of you who have a dark sense of humor, now, that doesn't mean, even though I despise these movies, there's still scenes that I like. And the skydiving scene is the perfect scene for that movie. That got the attitude of that movie absolutely correct. Old Rap, enough Rap we Pitt, can mention Rap it. Brad Pitt, I believe, had a little cameo. Yeah, that. everybody basically, he forms a team and everybody basically dies, and it's amazing. In the jump. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. It's amazing. Yeah, one yeah. of them, they're, they're all parachuting. One parachutes right into a wood chipper, if I recall, right? right. <laughs> it's the best. And, like, they're trying to pull him back out and save him, and they can. He just gets, you know, one uh, paratroops, he's invisible, paratroops right into a yeah. power line. I think that was Brad Pitt's character. And you, at that point, also may have doubted that there was even an invisible man. It might have just been a joke. Right, right. Yeah, there really was. Yeah, and I think uh, probably the weakest point in the film was the surprise villain, which was, of course, you know, spoilers, the Juggernaut right. being the surprise villain. I think that's the weakest point, primarily because he was all CG. I don't yes. feel a character like that should ever be CGI created. I feel like they could have created... Uh, we saw it. We saw we it saw at Comic-Con. They that's created right. a suit, and the guy was able to get around pretty well with it, and he looked freaking badass. That's what we have to do. Huge and badass. It, well, we have a... We have a small video clip of it on our Instagram page for the Real Short Box. So if you guys get a chance, uh, it's it's a few in because the the comic convention I, we were at was a few months ago. But uh, scroll through and you'll see it. It's awesome. Also, too, one other scene 
I will give credit. I do like the intro of Domino's superpower. Yes. Mm. That's great, too. It was funny. It yeah. fit the movie. But the rest of this movie, it's just too It's too much for me. But you enjoy Cable, at least? Cable's well, well, great. Well, but, well, Todd, Josh Brolin is Josh Brolin. It's Josh Brolin. I mean, yeah. there's, there's we no He's not playing Thanos if he's not in... Or Fighting Fires. Or he's, he's not in a Coen's Brother movie. Or, or, play, you know, or being a Goonie. Or being a Goonie. And, and, nothing, yeah. and nothing he does on the surface seems super complex, but his acting is quite outstanding mm-hmm. in a lot of things. But Yeah, he's great. Just there's just too much dispensing of of bodies and too much too much of a laugh about killing people and that's just not really my style. Well, I can't disagree with you on that point there, especially everything going on today in society. So I, I can understand that point of view. Yeah, know, because you know there's a lot of horrible things going on out there that yes, it could be disturbing. And they laugh about it. And they laugh about it, right? But it's just a personal preference. It's right. just, it and was I respect just, that. It was personal offense. But that being I said, that. I, I think that. it's very effective at what it wants to do. Next. Number six, 2000's original X-Men. Yep. Now, this is this is one that I would have put, I actually would have put Deadpool 2 ahead of, mm. um, and I argued for this, but I, I ultimately took a back seat because, you know, I, I mean, uh, it is the, the opening movie. It is what created the X-Men franchise. But uh, Sabretooth was like low-rent Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Sabretooth you'd see. They found a cosplayer at a convention in uh, northeastern Ohio. And so, said, "You're the guy, Taylor Maine, right? Professional wrestler, so, right? Obviously, prefer the other saber tooth from later. I, in a way, yes, I do actually. Um, more sinister, Lee, Lee Schreiber, Lee right. Schreiber. More sinister, um, and not more Mister Sinister. But <laughs> they did nail a lot of things, and I'm so happy. Everybody that was involved, from the writing to the directing to the producing, everybody that had a hand in this, my hats off to you, and and just." Well done. You know what I mean? You you did work with what you had, and you were able to put something together that I had not experienced up until that point. And let me explain. Once again, I'm sitting in a movie theater. There's no boners or vomit. I'm just sitting in the packed movie theater in the year 2000, and it's in my hometown, and small hometown that never really sells out of anything but Beavis and Butthead to America. That's like the only thing I've ever been in that sold out. That's a good movie, actually. Right. So this was a packed house, and the excitement, the energy at the late night viewing of this, I think it was like 10 o'clock at night or something, Mm -hmm. everybody in the theater was talking about it, was excited to see their favorite characters. I was leaning back and talking to the people behind me in the seats. We were all gushing over our favorite mutants, our favorite X-Men that we were finally going to get to see on the big screen. It was awesome. It was awesome. I, I only have technical, like, little petty arguments with this film but it was it was great it was great because it gave us what we wanted in a way also there was a chance that you would not have seen hugh jackman as wolverine at all all thanks to yep. mission impossible 2 and dugray du- du- scott yeah, oh, dugray scott poor Dang guy Langley. if it wasn't for actually it was john john woo that's what i meant john woo come on man get it right nah i get confused john woo unfortunately you know ang lee did have a part in that yeah. I'm just yeah right. <laughs> yeah, John Woo and Mission Impossible 2's production uh, went overtime, shall we say? And that way, unfortunately, they had to recast Duke Ray Scott's role as Wolverine, and Hugh Jackman was up next. You know, originally uh, Jackie Chan was going to get the part of Wolverine. Yeah, because he worked a lot with uh, Aunt Lee. Of course, but <laughs> but but to be but to also be fair, Mission Impossible 2 made a lot of people a lot of money. 
So, I mean, it's not like he wasn't a part of something great. Oh, of course. Um, now, uh, although it is the weakest Mission Impossible film, in my opinion. Well, uh, that's another podcast. Yeah, that'll be another podcast. And you are correct, sir. Uh, I think, honestly, the later they get, the better they get. But that's just how I feel. That's the acceptance of the rule, in my opinion. I, I would flip those around. Yeah, I would say it would the one number one would be the second least favorite for me. For sure. Oh, correct. Me too. Me yeah. too. So I'll go number me, two, those number first one, two are the weakest. and then those first on two are the from there. Those but yeah, that's a podcast for another time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well, I want to talk just real quickly about X-Men. So as a lover of like action films and action scenes, you know, mm-hmm. we Marvel did something very unusual. Or it makes a lot of sense, but it was kind of unusual. They kept passing on the big movies until the CGI was at a point mm-hmm. that they could really mass release these. That sequence... That like, what's his name? Uh, 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 and I, 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 Toad was never like a big deal to me, right? It was uh, Ray Parks, right? Yeah, yeah Ray Parks. It was Ray Parks. But there was that sequence where mm-hmm. Cyclops is ready to shoot this guy, and he and Toad's tongue smacks his his uh, little visor. visor off, and he blew up a roof. I'm like, that's unbelievable for t- two thousand. The year 2000. That is an outstanding special effect. That fight up on the Statue of Liberty. An outstanding special effect. It kind of showed you what a Marvel movie could be. Mm-hmm. And also, what also made this movie good is the strength of two strong actors. Perfectly cast. Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. So they helped give gravitas, brought seriousness, like, respectability. Again, I was I was not on Ian McKellen's, I was not Team Ian McKellen until I watched the film. And then I went, I get it now. But I wasn't on his side. And I was like, he's too old! Obviously, he's not. You know what I mean. Like if you if you think about the timeline, he's not. But in the comic books, he always he looks, looks so much stronger and younger right. than Charles. Looks like a strong middle aged man in the comics. right. Yeah, and also too, Ian just master like the intellect that oozed from him to play that character was just, just unbelievable. Snide remarks and just arrogance <clears throat> behind it too. Yeah, Charles. perfect. If you remember in, in X three, real quick, I I love when all those like. X Men go fight and they all fall down and they're like, the, he's like, we got to go in there. And he's like, and just the pawns go first. <laughs> that's <laughs> that that's un- that that's great. great stuff. That was great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what's next on our list here, Kevin? Number five, X Men: Days of Future Past. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Peter. Peter as Boulevard Trask. You know, perfect casting of Boulevard Trask. Yes. Great time travel movie, too. You know, I, I had a roommate at one point, and he just kept begging me, like, oh, my God, you've got to see this movie. And I thought he was on drugs or something because I'm like, wow, you really – like, this is your hell to die on is Days of Future Past, right? What a really enjoyable movie. Mm-hmm. I And I, dude, I like that conundrum. We know it's predictable what's going to happen. I love that conundrum with Professor Xavier, like, do I continue to take the drugs and walk or just – be a you know a telepath. I love that part. I love watching the X Men get their butts kicked in the beginning with the biggest oh in, in, while, while they're in the future against the yes. Sentinels. And we get to see Bishop. Oh to see Bishop. Which is super exciting. And we got to see uh, what's his face, one of the uh, the other uh, uh, New Mutants at the time, right? Wasn't it? Which one? Uh, the Native American one. Was Warpath. Yeah, wasn't it Warpath? Wasn't yeah. he in there? Yeah, maybe Warpath. I, I think he's Warpath. I, I, I love a X Men film. This is one of the X Men films that's very plot heavy that I really liked because some of the other ones are plot cumbersome. This is super plot heavy and it's awesome. And what I really like, we finally got to see a little bit more of Storm's powers mm-hmm. against the Sentinels. 
And also, it's true. And yeah, also, she held them off. Yeah, we also saw how this is this is this is where you bring the pain. How the Sentinels, how they adapt. You know, once you kill one off, they realize they send the program. Okay, this is how you handle this particular mutant. Yeah. So even like the most, think about they're it, learning. They're learning. So you're getting down to those last few like, mutants like left. Any program would do. Yep. So you see Magneto along with, along with the remaining X Men are still alive. Literally, this should have been called the last stand, you know, making their last stand yeah. against the Sentinels before they got killed off. And meanwhile, they had this emergency plan. They got to go back into the past and, of course, use Logan, obviously. So cool. To, to, to fix Very smart. the future, which yeah. worked. You bring your most popular X-Men with your most popular actor from the X-Men yep. and put him as the star in the franchise. And, be- and, basically, and basically, he's the link between the two, you know, franchises within the franchise. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, Spiro's Hero is one of our, our absolute favorite comic shop, actually. It does have the Days of Future Past uh, books. Uh, yes, they do. Yeah, they still, I believe, still have them. So if anybody wants to grab them, definitely a good idea. Yeah, definitely a, a little mini classic over the yeah. last five years. Yeah, what's, uh, what's the one that we have right after that, though? The next film? Yeah. Number four, which I personally would have switched out for X-Men Days of Future Past, is the first Deadpool movie. You'd be correct, too. Thank you. I hate everything about this movie, by the way. I am sorry. It's fun. It is fun. It's super fun. I think it's a and great. It's chemistry. a more watchable film than Days of Future Past. You can put Deadpool one on at any point in time. In in just get up, uh, grab a drink, sit back down, and enjoy some silly fun. You don't have a lot of silly fun in the X Men franchise. No. And this brings that, and I think that that's important, which is why it's so high, and watch why is why I argued it for it to be above the other film, Days of the Future Past, because of that, because of the rewatchability, and because it's a light-hearted, fun film that you can enjoy with lots of blood, lots of blood. I will also say that this film, out of any of the other X-Men films, brought people into the theater that would never have set foot in the theater to watch an X-Men film. Well, the financial success cannot be debated. It, but it we just, all know that, Not yes. just that, but well, it's, it's reach yeah, to, attract, to get people that weren't comic that. fans yep. to watch it because it looked fun, and it had Ryan Reynolds, and he's cute. And, 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 and Monica Barak. And it showed an R-rated Marvel film can mm-hmm. have success. Mm-hmm. But once again, I mean, I don't want to repeat you know, from Deadpool 2, it's the same opinion. I just loaded with cynicism, loaded with nihilism. Just not my thing. Right, but I, I have to admire Ryan Reynolds did carry he was his born to play asinine part. performance he was born, the entire film. I give him credit. And he was born to play the part. That now, takes and talent. I will also he was born to play the part. Give him credit for knowing when to take the mask off and when to keep it on. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't see that with Stallone. 100%. Judge Dredd, why I love that film. Motherfucker couldn't keep his helmet on. I'm the low. I always have to have my helmet off so they see my face. Fuck off. We all know who he is. Keep the helmet on, right? Yeah. (laughs) Reynolds knows his place. If somebody says, Would you rather hang out with Deadpool or Ryan Reynolds? Nine times out of ten, everybody's going to go Deadpool because he's more fun because he's got that mask on. Ryan Reynolds is just Ryan Reynolds. Deadpool is, is everything to comic book fans and to people that just like enjoying themselves in a theater. That's why it was so high up on the list. And he has a quality sidekick in T.J. Miller. As well as his girlfriend. Yes. As well as the taxi driver. Oh, 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 yeah. You know what? He's like a little small part that makes it fun. Man. Yeah. That guy's funny. Man, Kevin, we're getting into some heavy hitters. Yes, yeah. we're getting to the top three. Mm-hmm. What do we got? I'm ready for you to cry. Go ahead, Kevin. Come on. Number three. Yes. Mm-hmm. Logan. Yes. Kevin wanted this uh, higher. Yeah, I wanted this at number two, at least. Yeah. De- defend it. 
Now, I know we had a little argument here. I feel Logan is one of the best uh, written... Best, most best, forgettable best, film. Best acted, very powerful, somewhat of a smaller film, you know, because they focused in on just a few characters. And I think it's just a very powerful character-focused movie. You see Xavier getting towards the end of his life. His powers are going crazy. We find out that he murdered by accident many of his students because his power's out of control. And... Logan's there to take care of him. And then, of course, they introduce X-23. I do like that aspect, that that uh, Xavier's kind of losing control of his powers yeah. and can't and stop some of the things that happen right. that can hurt everyone in the world. Yep. It's interesting. And as you were saying. Yes, and then you know, the introduction of X-23, you find out that they're working on cloning you know, um, Logan. You find out they finally get it done right. And there's also other children that they're using. The fact that there is a plague that basically wiped out the majority of mutants... That's pretty powerful. So you're kind of scaling down. You're not going to have a bunch of mutants running around. You kind of have this almost like a semi-apocalyptic story in the near future. You know, Logan's also older, so basically they incorporated the old man Logan story a little bit in mm -hmm. there. And yes, I do. You see that Wolverine is not, you know, he's not as tough and strong. No, sorry, not tough. He's always tough. He's not as strong as he used to be, but he's hanging in there. And you know, you have this plot that on that yeah, he unfolds. doesn't he doesn't heal as well. He doesn't as he doesn't heal That's as the well. Big problem. Big problem. Doesn't heal as well. So you get to that that towards the end of Act Three, and it's just powerful. I mean, just just the way that this man he's he's going out in glory, and he does. Uh, and also Xavier's, uh, for those who've seen the movie, his death was quite powerful too. You know? mm -hmm. So what you have here is you have a parallel to the movie Shane, basically. Yes, yes. Um, now I'm a little torn on this movie because it's dark because James Mangold is a fantastic director. Thank you. I don't know what he was doing with that other one, the Wolverine movie. Right. But yeah, Night and Day. J really. James Ma <laughs> Night and Day. Ah. Uh, James Mangold is a fantastic director, and you can see his talent shining through in something like this. He had more sure. creative control over this one. That's that's the problem you guys have. The Wolverine, he didn't have as much control. That's why it wasn't as good as this one. This one, they gave him more creative control. Right. And, and a good choice for this one was James Mangold. The, the issue is ultimately... And this is a preference issue, and I don't want to ding the movie, and I want to make it clear. I, I do like this movie to a degree. It's just it's a reluctant recommendation because of the content and the subject matter. You are talking about these great heroes that have been built up. And, yes, Logan's a little tormented, but he's, supposed, but he's tormented in almost a cartoony way in the earlier movies. You still like him and stuff. This is a movie where, like... Professor X, I mean, he's been reduced to garbage, and for the most part, he never, like, gets any of his powers back, and he's he's just disposed of the way he is, and Wolverine has his great blaze of glory, but then he's disposed of, I don't know, I just prefer to see my superheroes in a better light. The whole idea of them just being, like, these anti-heroes was just not for me, mm -hmm. um, but uh, like I said, I got to... Give the props where the props are due. Give the props because they're because they are. They Give are. Those props it's just out. a reluctant recommendation. Right. Well, it's not reluctant for me. I I will say that um, I like this film the most for the fact that it introduced X twenty three and I had her first appearance. <laughs> I paid ten cents for that comic years ago and I sold, sold that bitch for four hundred seventy five dollars. Once again, so, a profiteer. I gloating, was happy. A profiteer as gloating. A By the way. More props to the young lady that played X-23. That was good casting. Yes, and all the, the people out there. She did a good job there. of being an angsty teenager or preteen. And, and listen, y'all out was. there who listen to our uh, prospecting advice, you might think we're arrogant pricks, but let me tell you something. Two things can be true at once. 
we can be arrogant pricks and correct. And I'm telling you right now, ten cents to four hundred and seventy-five. Do the math, people. Yeah, that's a smart investment, Kevin. Yes, Shame on you for chastising me for that. Okay. Go sit in the corner. All right, all right, Kevin. It's getting even heavier. Yeah. Not too. Wait, give us the, the second one and then go sit in the corner. Number two, X Men, first class. Now in the corner. No, I don't think oh, so. Oh, this is man. We're like getting to the point of opinion is preference at this point. Right. A lot of people will argue. And and I think uh, Zoe Kravitz playing a character that no one gave a shit about yes. doing with stupid powers that no one liked is a big annoyance for this film. That's why I would have switched it out. Um, I, I get that. But, but, motherfuck, if this wasn't like the introduction that we got to the younger Xavier and the younger um, Magneto... That, that we, the Professor X and the, and the Magneto that we always kind of wanted but never knew we needed, mm-hmm. it was beautiful. Like, these guys nailed it 110%. And, and a great villain in Kevin Bacon as Sebastian Shaw. James McAvoy and Ma- Michael Fassbender were beautifully casted Flawless. choices that, just my God, whoever was involved with the casting in this, great chemistry. my hat's off. Nicholas Holt? As, as Hank McCoy as Beast, perfect. Yes. I mean, they, they, they just knocked it out of the park. And Kevin Bacon, you're right, was an awesome choice. Because it was outside the box. You all know who right. Kevin Bacon is. You just never pictured this would be his movie. Right, and holy shit, that scene where, like, all the young X-Men are being trained and they're all partying and shit, and then, like, these agents start falling out of the sky onto the ground <laughs> in different places, and they're like, what's going on? And it's like... The evil version of Nightcrawler just dropping them the fuck from, like, the air. Yes. Poofing them, grabbing them, and poofing them up into the sky and Azazel, dropping them. yes. What the fuck? That was insane. <laughs> so cool. That scene was so cool. And then the whole thing with, uh, with what was it, like a coin or something that Magneto used to push into his yep. brain to yep. kind of basically paralyze Kevin Bacon's character. It was fucking nuts. And, and, yeah, revenge. and they re, you know, even to some degree, almost shot for shot, they kind of redid the original X-Men in first class at the concentration camp. Right. And it worked great. Wonderfully. A beautiful, soft reboot for a franchise that desperately needed it. People had given up on X-Men after X-Men 3. Let's be honest. While X-Men 3 wasn't perfect, it wasn't the worst film we've ever seen in our lives. No. It was just not what the fans wanted. So they said, let's take a step back and let's look at what's needed and what people want. And they delivered that with this film smartly. And to give it a lot of compliments, um, I worked on this film, okay? I spent two weeks on the set. Mm -hmm. Something that was really intrigued me, that big uh, chase scene between Banshee and uh, not, is it Angel? I can't remember her name. Um... The the woman with the yeah yeah uh, the, Zoe Kravitz's character yeah okay yeah. that those people were suspended from helicopters and that chase was real that is not a CGI job there where they're flying across the water that's real folks mm. and that's awesome. th- there's something authentic about this because when I watched it on screen I'm like CGI could not have recaptured this it just couldn't have. And, you know, just watch. And, of course, one of my favorite moments, uh, uh, Gunnery Sergeant Jim Deaver, a uh, great serviceman in the Marine Corps, was one of our people that was actually, you know, 
helping facilitate and teaching us, you know, Navy <laughs> actors how to be, you know, Navy in, in the 1960s, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I love the parallel with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, hey, uh, what is official marine policy when you see X-Men flying over your head? He's like, well, first thing you do is you say he's from Jersey. You look up and you say, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and then the second thing you do is you shoot the shit out of it till it dies. Well, and I'm like, this is brilliant. Nice. This is brilliant. But, yeah, this is a outstanding production. Matthew Vaughn, I believe, was the director, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. Yes. Matthew Vaughn, a little underrated for his time. That he was doing films. Yeah, he was just coming off uh, Lair Cake, right? Like, your Lair Cake was right before that, I think? No, he was Kick-Ass director, correct? Yeah, I think he did Kick-Ass. Okay, so I'm not in love with that movie, but I love his vision to try to make it happen. Kingsman, right? That's right. The Kingsman, too. I love his, his, like... uh, Solid. Solid actor that just kind of found a niche and ran with it for a bit. He's done a beautiful job. Yeah, beautiful job. I like him a lot. Next one, our final choice. The top number one X-Men <laughs> film of all well, time. It's pretty obvious you haven't figured it out yet. X2, X-Men United. Boom, motherfucker! Because, look, let's be real. We saw the <laughs> X-Men movie. We liked it. I don't know if it blew our socks off. Colossus. We did not see X2 coming. Let's just be real. Did any of you really think X2 was going to blow you away? Well, first... Alan of- Cummings' open scene. Oh, that was excellent. As Nightcrawler. Yes. Also, a great <sighs> villain who didn't have powers. A great villain is the original Hannibal Lecter, Brian Cox, playing William Stryker. And if anybody wants to see Brian Cox really cut his teeth in an acting role... There's so many movies that you can choose. Super Troopers. Yeah, Super Troopers is one of them, actually. Manhunter. Uh, I would go with um, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Long Kiss Goodnight. Outstanding film. Yeah, which is a, a really underrated film. And, and, and a perfect Christmas and film. And he was in one of the Bourne movies. He was. A yeah. couple, one or two. Yeah, at yeah. least. So, yeah, X2 X-Men United is outstanding. Now, naturally, if you pick it apart, you can find something you don't like. Mm-hmm. I get it. You can... It started to me to develop a little bit of this kind of Star Trek vibe where I'm like, wow, does anybody get killed in these movies? Like, mm-hmm. I was getting confused after a while with that. But, of course, my favorite ridiculous scene, because it is ridiculous to like this scene, <laughs> is William Stryker's kid just staring at Patrick Stewart. It was weird. <laughs> it was way off. I didn't understand any of that. I thought it was goofy, but effective. Um, obviously the Nightcrawler was great. Just that whole CG sequence. And this is the first time we got to see Berserker Wolverine. We got to see Hugh Jackman lose his friggin' shit and just go off and kill a bunch of people that are, like, attacking his family, so to speak. Yeah. Nuts. So cool. One of the best sequences, action sequences in all the X-Men films. Berserker Wolverine. One of the best action sequences in all of the films, the Nightcrawler opening. Just hands down, two of the best action sequences in any of the X-Men franchises we had in one And film. a woman who could really kick ass, Kelly Who. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very Lady true. Lady Deathstrike. Yes. And so cool to find out that whole part of Wolverine's history and show that. And then that kind of led right into the, the Phoenix thing. You That's know? true. R- yes. Right at the end. Also, like the one thing I like about Stryker's character, he had an interesting relationship with Magneto and Xavier. Mm-hmm. Especially with Xavier. Now, Xavier was trying to help his son. He couldn't, and that's one thing that pissed him off and sent him down that path. So, William Stryker, to me, is probably 
literally the most human villain of the series. And he was very feared by the mutants. Yes. Which is unusual. Like, yep. uh, the man carried a lot of power, kind yep. of almost like Governor uh, Tarkin, if I'm not mistaken, from the original Star Wars. Yes. And by the way, um, yeah, we see Stryker a little bit in, in, in First Class as well, played by a different actor, but we get a taste of him in First Class as well. Dude, I don't think Stryker was so interesting in the books, but my gosh, X2, he kind of jumped off the screen at me. And that last scene out in that facility. Oh, I guess, a, I guess Magneto what especially. A great set. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Great artistry. Excellent production lots, design. Lots of compliments uh, go to that movie. It, it was really enjoyable. Uh, and you started to see Halle Berry. That was before she started getting $20 million a movie. And she was on the verge of her breakout. Oh, my! Still, my favorite line from her is, "You know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning?" <laughs> and then it's like, same thing that happens to everything else. <laughs> and she like explodes toad or just knocks him the fuck out. It was from, that was from the first X Men, granted, but it just set the bar for how. And of course, you can't get enough of Rebecca Romaine. But also, oh, yeah. but also too, you know, when when uh, when what's his name, uh, Sebastian Shaw absorbs all that power from Darwin and gives it back to him. He's like, absorb this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool. And he just like kind of just exploded too, slowly exploded. Yeah, it was really but cool. But Toad was so, electrocuted. Hands down, let's just say this: like them or love them, or even dislike them, which I find hard to believe. The X-Men franchise brought to life the Marvel Universe. Yes. And if it wasn't for this series, we wouldn't have the MCU that we have now. So I think that we owe them a good bit of credit. We owe the writers, the directors, the producers, the actors, all the talent. Uh, the editors, the gaffer, you know, the, the best boy. I don't care. We owe everybody credit for bringing these characters to life in showing us that comic books can make money, they can be viable, and they are something that we need in our life. Well, yeah, and I also want to be clear on something. We are not haters. No. When we have issues with things, it's because we expect more out of them. Because the the X-Men series is truly a great series. We could sit here and bitch and cry till, you know, till our entire lifetime pretty much about how we confusing the <laughs> about how yeah. confusing the storylines get later on. And, but, and, yeah, you know, the toxic fanboys need to take a back seat. That's all, you know. You know and yeah, you're, you're one of them. And you got to realize like the my <laughs> the, expe- the expectations like Captain Marvel. Suck it. The, the expectations though that, that X-Men has and they're completely fair because you are talking about trend setting you know, kind of characters here. I mean, I, I don't think they've quite gotten to the pop culture lexicon necessarily of, of like a Joker or a Spider-Man, but they're so darn close in many ways, especially Wolverine. I mean, how could you not think of Wolverine where it's on the tip of everybody's tongue? You know, these are big timers. These aren't secondary characters. Mm-hmm. These are characters that built an entire Marvel catalog, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that they have to juggle all of them and we just want the best out of him. Let's be real. Disney yeah. now owns the rights, and Disney will recreate it because it has to. Right. Yeah, it needs the money, I guess. <laughs> and likely Go Doctor figure. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness might be the means how they introduce the X-Men into the MCU. Yeah, One possibility. It's quite possible. Or Fantastic Disney Plus, Four. even, to be honest. Disney Plus? Uh, Probably a combination of the two. Because they're going to be integrated into the yeah. MCU, which is going to be an interesting aspect that we're going to see coming down the line soon. Maybe we'll see Quicksilver in one division. And, and we went way over on this because we love the X-Men. We did. We did. This is a long podcast. So sorry, everyone. But I hope you enjoyed 
And thank you for coming out. Please, please, please subscribe to us. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on iTunes, iTunes, uh, YouTube, Spotify, Spotify, Google Play. Darren's favorite Sprecher. Sprecher. Um, I'm gonna on, keep pushing Sprecher. Yeah, Google Google Play Music. Um, also, there's a few others actually. If you if you look and dig, uh, or if you have a podcast app and you don't think we're on there, let us know. Reach out to us. Also, um, last but we not, do have an email and we have a Facebook page and an Instagram. Also, last but not least, check out our replay of our broadcast from Spiro's Heroes. We did a live stream there. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, not not long ago. It was a good one. And, and please join us as I'm pretty certain we are going to be doing future live streams and we would love to hear from you while we're on our live stream. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Get on the we're gonna be live streaming um, primarily from YouTube uh, live. Where you can get on there and chat with us, ask us questions, and uh, just make overall comments about what you thought about our past podcast. Or if you have questions with us about past podcasts, good lord, that took a bit, or uh, certain characters or something that you think, or comic books you think might uh, go up in value, or what we think about it. Happy to answer. And also, finally, for me at least, um, t- without your support, we don't exist. So thank you so much for tuning in to us. Yes, thank you. And hopefully, uh, if, uh, if we don't hear from you on uh, YouTube Live, maybe we'll see you. At the most righteous, kindly, sweet comic shop. This has been The Real Short Box. We'll see you at the comic shop. Thanks for listening. 